The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the fall. I'm just a little flummoxed today, it seems like. Yeah, let's just start this out right. And at this point, it's over a minute after 4 o'clock. So thanks for bearing with me. And uh, you are, however, still listening to, uh, and thanks for tuning in, by the way, uh, 101.9, CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And uh, streaming live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And in the first hour of the whole show, actually, uh, I did play the first segment, I think first 10 or so minute segment uh, from the uh, June 4th. And the journey continues open mic uh, monthly reading in that month in that series. Uh, but uh, this afternoon, I think there is going to be room to air all the rest of it. So in the next two hours, you're going to hear all readings from that. And uh, to start off with in the first hour, uh, Devin G.A., Gwen Whitford, Meg Freer, Corey Mayhew, Bob McKenzie, Billy Kearns, Dale Tracy, Ben Charland, Lyle Miriam, Sasha Hill, Tia Lunn. Michael Castiles, Ken Chin, Alyssa Chisholm, Alyssa, uh, I'm Allison Chisholm, Alyssa Cooper, uh, Eric Folsom, Brent Raycroft, uh, uh, Jill Glatt, and Nadia Pacey, and me. And then in the second hour, pretty much the same, but the players are a bit different. Uh, some others, the ones that aired before the first four, uh, you're going to hear them. They're diff- the reason is there was a first round and second round that night. So, again, from the June 4th and the Journey Continues Open Mic Monthly reading in that series, you'll hear readings by Gemma uh, Doorlayers, uh, Leanne Terrace, Kinman, Michelle McTugg, uh, Devin G.A., Gwen Whitford, Meg Freer, Corey Mayhew, Bob McKenzie, Dale Tracy, Ben Charlin, Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Michael Castillos, Ken Chin, Allison Chisholm, Alyssa Cooper, Eric Folsom, Brent Raycroft, and me. This first, though, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. Uh, You should have a bit of time at the end of the, is it the second hour today? I think it is, yeah. For sure. Yeah, in fact, I think I'll have quite a bit of time at the end of the second hour today to for our, um, calls for submissions and announcements. And we are moving into a slower time of the year for those. So a little bit shorter list. I might even be able to play some music again today at the end of the second hour. And uh, yeah, so it looks like I better do this because I've got the first hour pretty tight here. 
Up first, to start off with, again, the June 4th and the journey continues. Uh, open mic monthly reading uh, series. That reading that night held at the Elm Cafe. Up first in it, you're going to hear readings by Devin G.A., Gwen Whitford, Meg Freer, and Corey Mayhew. And let's go ahead and play this again. It tried to start up earlier. Here we go. Up next, Devin G.A., let's bring him up. Messiah complex and hesitates, waiting for aid, singing in her mind. Not a thread of patience orchestrates itself, like a tired record, like a record from a tired orchestra. The music of one to control another, the drug of its self-hatred flowing, being pumped through her veins through interaction. Passive instructions in the skies, meaning snakes that want to be saved. She harvests venom from the carcasses, so much she becomes a symbiote. Suddenly righteous out of spite, rising stakes like they were in the oven. The battle was over this morning, maybe. Strain to the family, never-ending family dynamics dilute facts. So drained of energy, the lightning rod shows more resistance, bringing home the cheddar that gets overused on the fettuccine. Swimming in the cheese, melting it, and shitting out to be taken for granted. What is value when you live through your kids? They are all of her because she is nothing. Act out with violence, an alienation planted into other people. A woman with a soul slanted with self-dread, an obsession with control born from a lack of restraint. Childish superstars can preach to an impersonal tune through videos, sing with few lyrics, none of quality. Feeling like the chosen ones through indoctrination, lied to, too pretty to see the plot twist, happy like criteria don't exist, a demeanor that's flaky but hard like amethyst, attention focused, feeding off the symbiote like a locust, <coughs> little miss paste, hitting the white man, but we don't know which one. Devin G.A., let's give him another hand. Up next, Gwen Whitford, let's bring her up. Thank you, Bruce. Good evening, everyone. This poem is a continuation of my Dominica Chronicles 2019. But before I recite it, a few words of explanation, in case you might not be familiar with these terms. Roseau is the capital of Dominica, also known as the Nature Island. A lime is not only a citrus fruit, but it's a West Indian term for hanging out and having fun. Anthuriums are a type of lily that grows at higher elevations in the rainforest. Dasheen is an edible green plant. Tanya is a starchy root vegetable. Kalalu soup, yum, a West Indian favorite. It's made from dasheen leaves and it um, has a taste like spinach. And the um, phrase after God, it's the land, is actually the national motto of Dominica. It's translated from Creole, and you will hear it in the last line. Roseau Market Limes. Saturday mornings are for market limes, red and white anthuriums, 
free-ranged eggs, 10 types of greens, plentiful dashing leaves, perfect for callaloo soup on Saturday afternoons, an abundance of mangoes, lush, juicy, and sweet, mounds of tanya and yams, cocoa sticks, a breakfast starter, and at every overflowing stand, chatter, bustle, and barter, a showcase of the island's bounty, lovingly toiled by hand. In fruitful Dominica, after God, it's the land. Thank you. Lynn Whitford, let's give another hand. Up next, Meg Freer, let's bring her up. Thanks, Bruce. You can think of this poem as being spoken by someone that you loved who has died. It's called Rain Stores Memories. I want to rest with you on golden cloth and tell you of birds that transcend borders, the feather that brushed you in the night as I passed through. Next morning's song, call song collage of cardinals, chickadees, and crows near the frozen lake. The red-tailed hawk outside its realm that flew over your car and watched from the railway bridge as you followed me to the woods where bluebirds will nest in spring rain. Pull up your socks, there is much to take in. Pantone living coral is the color of the year. Schubert and Mozart await your hands and frost-kissed carrots want to sing a sweet musical palette on your tongue. Do not grieve, imperfect dreamer, for I've seen the sun rise and set on Pluto in shades of blue. I've flown beyond our giant green teardrop that drowns in the darkness between stars. Make free, let's give another hand. Up next, Corey Mayhew, let's bring her up. Sure, put the tall guy ahead of me. <laughs> well, it's farming time, it's planting time, we're out in our gardens. So, this is what happens when you live on Consumer Island. Lupin's in bloom. Winding ribbons along island roadsides, painted colors of mauve, pink, and white hue. Verdant green fields full of tall spiral spikes reaching above into sky multi-blue. Planting our fields, greening along island fence lines, tractors and tilling turn sod into furrows. Pastoral planting, like quilts on the hillside, waiting and watching as our harvest grows. Potato in bloom, blossom, set in drills by the mile, wavy threads along island farmlands, plowing and spraying, death all in the way, grow Dave's biggie fries, large as hands. 
giant agrib is, developing our future. No thought for the natural rhythm and rhyme. Peril in progress invades space by the acre. Disregard season or the next seeding time. So what happens? when seed banks depleted by chemicals cast genes as, as cannibals eating their young. Multinational companies holding us hostage, biotech tinkering, profit for some. Altering chromosome, contaminant gene, is natural selection of thousands of years destroyed in a test tube inside the lab. Are we powerless, shedding our tears as we worry anxious with cumulative fears. I mourn for the future, our land desecrated, grain the substance for life, countries controlled for profit and gain, the bottom line, only the dollar, while the populace break hunger and strife. Lupins in bloom, Rolling us on, their beauty morphic and soft. Oh, weep for the land, hollow eyes that look sad, for homesteads and family farms, food on the table. We ask our children, imploring innocence all. Remember the lupins we had? And you just heard readings by Devin G.A., Gwen Whitford, um, Meg Freer, and Corey Mayhew. Again, at the June 6th reading in the End Journey Continues Open Mic Monthly Reading Series. And uh, again, held at the Om Cafe. Uh, ne- coming up next, here you're going to hear in this order Bob McKenzie, Billy Kearns, Dale Tracy, and Ben Charland. Up next, Bob McKenzie. Let's bring him up. Ooh, so many people tonight. This is great. Um, I just mentioned quickly, this is my commercial moment. I have books I can sell you. I have books I can give you for free. And all you have to do is come and talk to me about it and find out more. Right now, though, this is uh, a poem with a subtitle. <clears throat> the poem is The Dystopia of Eagles, and the subtitle is Drone in My Own Tears. <coughs> Once fiercely beautiful, proud and independent, the eagle loses face. An invasive species, the hawks of America, spread terror worldwide. Even great nations tremble, anticipate worse to come. Hawks spread their wings. The hawks of America smell the fear and blood, hunt ever further afield. Hawks spread their wings. Bald eagles come to roost, lose respect and grace. Boys hide deep in a bunker, send virtual hawks flying, destroying other worlds. 
Thank you. Bob McKenzie, let's give him another hand. Up next, Billy Kearns, bring her up. Hello, everyone. Um, so I call this one Boyfriend Number Three. And I decided to read it because I was having a conversation with my housemate the other day about family. My mother flicks sunflower shells into the ashtray and wipes her hands on the wheel. Over the slapping of air through the window of our minivan, she fills me in. She and Bob met while we still lived in Windsor. He's 24, but when he visits us, but when he visits us, he'll tell his parents that he's gone fishing. I stretch into mental math. My dad's car is 25, and. Yellowknife lines the seats in dirt and ash. His drive to work passes Sam's monkey tree, where my mother's pool league kicked him and his friends off the table 12 years ago. 10 years ago, we left the north and my father. We pick up a new city every few years and she picks up another guy. My mother has two months left in Wallaceburg, two months left with Bob. She reaches for his name like another sunflower seed. It soothes her. Billy Kearns, give another hand. Up next, Dale Tracy. Let's bring her up. This hotel, the maid will hear you wake in the night. Enter and be unconvinced you wish to sleep. At this hotel, you are awake if you are, and the lock works as well as on bikes left out at night. At the desk, guests gather to show the lives they keep indoors. The aisle at breakfast is unconventional and follows checkout. The guests eat from the tops of wheeled luggage, extended handles framing faces crouched over ribbons, identifying as if all had been cleaned. Dale Tracy, give another hand. Up next, Ben Charlin, let's bring him up. Thanks, Bruce. So it occurred to me that uh, there's a name in this that people might not recognize. Does anyone not know who Donald Rumsfeld is? So he was the Secretary of Defense during the Iraq War in the early 2000s. George W. Bush was president. There's a movie called Vice out recently where he was played by Steve Carell. <clears throat> Seriously, though. <laughs> So this poem is called Press Conference with Donald Rumsfeld. 
This is not a political poem. It's about that time during the Iraq War when I sat on my mom's couch watching a press conference featuring Donald Rumsfeld while I ate cheesies. The crunchy Canadian kind, caked with orange, taste with orange, that orange goo residue cartwheeling its way into the spaces where my wisdom teeth used to be. Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, whose finite hawk eyes peered from under a fault sniper scalp, whose voice both squeaked and graveled as he described divisions, commanders, insurgents, flanking, assets, scope, shock, awe, hearts, minds, knowns, unknowns. Rumsfeld. 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 Donald, 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 Rumsfeld. I sit in a haze of sugar, salt, chemicals, and cheddar glory. I have so many. I can probably keep eating as long as he's talking, fetch however many little packets I need to get my fix in. The red, white, and blue and transparent plastic as crinkly as the stiff orange rods within. That's marketing, baby. Tactile onomatopoeia. I can take it. No amount of malted corn husk can stop me from turning a distant desert war into a lush jungle of televised entertainment. You're starting to think that this is a political poem, aren't you? I told you it isn't. It's about cheesies and Rumsfeld and a press conference and the multitude of unknowables that come in a war made consumable down to the last drop of maltodextrin, calories, not kills, orange, not red, grocery bag, not body bag, mom's beige couch, not a beige Abrams tank. I remember Rumsfeld's policy wonk smile. I remember thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do, imbibe the news, understand the world. Let it go down smoothly, and by that, I mean crisply. I am doing the responsible adult thing to do. The other channels are all soap operas and stock markets. This is where the facts hit. This is where my stomach lies. Donald Rumsfeld probably eats cheesies too. Or Cheetos, or Doritos, or orange gummy bears. Does it matter? We're all human, after all. And what political poem would say that? Ben Charlins, give another hand. And you just heard uh, from, uh, you heard uh, Bob McKenzie, Billy Kearns, Dale Tracy, and Ben Charlin. At the June sixth reading in the uh, at the Journey continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next in it, uh, you're going to hear Lyle, Miriam, Sasha Hill, and Tia Lunn. Up next, Lyle, Miriam, bring him out. Dark horses. Horses, black horses, thunder through my dreams. Are they an omen, a warning, that all is not as it seems? Horses, dark horses, running through the night. Have they come to bring a message or just to give me a fright? 
Black horses in your dreams, my forebears used to say, foretell that someone close to you will soon be called away. There was a little black pony who came one summer bright to nibble from our haystack in the early morning light. He only came that one time, but left his tracks behind to show that he wasn't just a product of someone's dreaming mind. Last night I lay awake and pondered what it means when those horses, black horses, thunder through my dreams. Thank you. There's Lyle Miriam, let's give another hand. Up next, Sasha Hill, let's bring her up. one I wrote because I was super inspired by a Facebook post. Um, so an artist friend of mine, a musician, he was publicly putting out his thoughts about why he hadn't had a break yet, like he hasn't made it to stardom yet, and so I was really inspired and wrote this piece called Striving to Be. Somebody, 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 
please, somebody please, please. Now I'm carrying my soul like I'm a thousand years old. I'm carrying my soul like I'm a thousand, I'm a thousand. Strive to be somebody who told you you're not somebody. Strive to be somebody who told you you're not somebody. Strive to be somebody who told you you're not somebody. Who told you you're not somebody? Who told you? Who told you? Strive to be somebody who told you you're not somebody. Strive to be somebody who told you you're not somebody. Strive to be somebody who told you you're not somebody. Who told you you're not somebody? Who told you? Who told you? Thank you guys very much. Especially you, let's give another hand. Up next, Tialan, let's bring them up. Man, I always feel like I'm here to kill the vibe. <laughs> this is just a short one, it's called Somewhere Wherever. They ran me down and left me there, threw your name down over me like rain and made mud out of me, left me turning my head over one shoulder, over the other, a whole revolution for you. The next time you see me, if you see me, I'll be here where they left me, revolving on the side of the road. They keep running me down. I guess I look like a plastic bag now. But I hear your name and I turn, your name and I'm an owl. I'm a plastic bag, but your name, your name. Thank you. Tialan, let's give them another hand. And you just heard in order readings by our performances, one or the other, uh, by Lyle Miriam, Sasha Hill, and Tia Lun. Uh, and that was at the June 6th uh, reading in the end. The Journey Continues monthly open mic series. Coming up next in it, Michael Castiles, Ken Chin, and Allison Chisholm. Up next, Michael Castiles. Bring him up. Uh, before I read, I'm going to just plug an event uh, that a couple of my friends are going to be reading at. It's uh, Wednesday the 19th. It's at 99 York Street around 7 o'clock. It's going to be a quadruple book launch. So Stuart Ross, who was the Queen's Writer in Residence like 10 years ago now, uh, Mark Laba from the States, he's going to be Skyped in to uh, launch his book. Hugh Thomas, who's just releasing his first book. And then Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Drew is going to be launching uh, a little chapbook that I published just recently. So it's going to be really, really great. Uh, I really highly recommend everybody come out and check it out. So I'm going to read uh, a poem that, uh, so recently, last couple months, I've been reading from a novel that I've been working on. This is from another novel in which um, each chapter is basically kind of like a standalone prose poem. Um, and I just was published in Tattle Creek. I just got my copy of it yesterday, and uh, it's the pulp issue. So this is taken from like those old pulp Western Louis L'Amour novels, and I kind of did like an erasure piece from that. So that's what this is based on. It's called The Shack Above the White Pines. 
A wisp twisted out the rickety chimney. An old can stood on the gravel, and my six-shooters slogged chunks of lead right into it. Every time they spat, the old can jumped. The can was Parker brand. I remember the the blue paper label was half-worn away. On the gate, a blackbird stretched its wing, feather by feather. My brother sat cross-legged. He looked down at his hands and said, there's a can over yonder. Thank you. Michael Castillo, let's give another hand. Up next, Ken Chin, let's bring him up. hundredth anniversary of the women's suffrage. The only thing I have to say to the sister is keep up your vigilance. Never, ever let down your guard. Whatever laws that gave you rights can also be revoked. You watch the news lately? This one is called the whip performance. The boy, barely ten years old, stood silently beside his family watching. A man in a cowboy outfit came out accompanied by a pretty young woman, dressed in a skimpy saloon girl costume. The cowboy uncoiled something in his hand as the saloon girl backed away from him. The cowboy cracked the bull whip once in the air, then snapped it at the saloon girl about ten feet away. Her very short skirt came flying off. Surprised and frightened, the saloon girl raised her hands. The bull, the bull whip coiled around her torso. Her flimsy top flew in the air. Now all she had on were her cowboy boots and a sexy bodice. More cracks of the whip, and more clothing came off, until the young woman had only a tiny bikini left on. At this point, the crowd watching erupted into claps, clapping and cheers. The boy stood silently, motionlessly, taking all this in, not understanding what he saw. But this was not vigilante justice back in the Wild West. I was standing in the Ed Sullivan Theater watching the floor show back in the early 60s, watching what was considered to be mainstream family entertainment. Today, we hear protests and indignation over the treatment of women in Islamic nations, how they are sometimes punished by public flogging. Sometimes when I hear these cries, I still see that 10-year-old boy standing in the back of the Ed Sullivan Theater, watching a woman having her clothes stripped off by a bullwhip. And it was considered entertainment in a civilized nation. Do we really expect other cultures to follow our lead or even understand us, much less respect us? We consider Islamic cultures to be archaic and backwards, but their values and principles have kept them consistent for over a thousand years. While in the West, morals and laws are on a roller coaster ride, based on hedonistic values, fueled by commercial greed, and driven by a runaway technology that makes everything outdated faster than the fashion industry. As I watch the rural events unfold around me, I still feel like that 10-year-old boy, not quite believing what he sees and wondering what the hell is going on. Ken Chin, let's give him another hand. Up 
next, Alison Chisholm. Bring her up. to promote a clothing swap that my friends and I hosted in October. I'm not going to wrap it. I'm just going to read it. Reclaimed at the clothing swap. A pair of denim cutoffs. A slip-resistant shoe. Earrings iridescent. A tangled lace. Jackets gravely donned, an unrestricted waistline, a return to austerity, one size fits all, a lifelong conviction, a few new things, a sigh, a skate. Thanks. Allison Chisholm, let's give another hand. And you just heard readings by Michael Castillos, Ken Chin, and Allison Chisholm. And uh, I'm going to try to play an extra long set here and get the last two sessions in. Up next, uh, you're going to hear uh, readings by Alyssa Cooper, Eric Folsom, Brent Raycroft, Jill Glatt, Nadia Pacey, and me again from the June 6th and the Journey Continues open mic reading. Up next, Liz Cooper, let's bring her up. So the poem I'm going to read has absolutely nothing to do with women's suffrage, um, but I don't want to be that guy, but I am that guy. So I just want to say that it's important to acknowledge that when we talk about the anniversary of women's suffrage, we're actually talking about the anniversary of white women's suffrage. And for women of color and other marginalized group, it took a lot longer. So now I'm going to read my poem and shut up about political shit, okay? Uh, this piece is called My Ghost Still Haunts the Halls of KGH. It's never dark in the ICU. The ICU is perpetual twilight monitors. Like moonlight, my skin is blue here. I'm breathing ice while my mother breathes through a tube. I'm stuck awake while she floats dreamless while her veins are pumping white. There is a lamb running loose through these hospital halls, bleating and bleeding. I can hear its hooves bony clatter on scarred tile. I can smell its knotted wool from the waiting room. I can see its shadow bouncing off the walls. In the waiting room, darkness is a bridge between two bodies. The waiting room is velvet sky, metronome echoes like cave walls. Here, the waiting room is a womb of cotton. No sound, no feeling. I don't have time to cut myself in the hospital, and the lamb is waiting just outside the door, watching me, accusing me. The lamb is screaming silent. Down the hall, angels float on the ceiling, their voices the gasp of the ventilator, and I'm finding words in the wordless song. This moment makes me understand why humans found language, found words for all the things that were once wordless, trying to make sense of senselessness, trying to make shape of the shapeless, and in the silent nights that follow, I will itch for sound. 
These things I remember, the lamb, both newborn and slaughter-bound. It was nine years ago, and it was yesterday. It is now. It is every time I close my eyes in a twilight room. It is easier to forget than to remember, but remembering is critical. The smell of latex, the endless alarms, the thickened air of waiting and maybes, and my ghost still haunts the halls of KGH. She rattles chains, and she drinks from my beats. She remembers the things that I have forgotten. She knows all the words that I left without. Ms. Alyssa Cooper, let's give another hand. Up next, Eric Folsom, let's bring him up. Thank you. Um, I haven't got a lot of news right now, so I'm going to read an old poem from a book I published called Icon Driven. Um, and I was looking this poem over, and it's a love poem. Um, but to my surprise, this is uh, to my surprise, this book is 18 years old. So when did that happen? And uh, uh, which means that the, I probably wrote the poem like 20 years ago, 21 years ago, something like that. Anyway, so back in 1997. So I've got to give you two notes because things have changed since the 90s. Um, there was, uh, I was, I was working for five weeks in Alberta and I was in love with a person back in Kingston. And through this thing that we had called Canada Post, we would send each other stuff, like little surprises in the mail. And the other thing that you might not remember <laughs> um, is there was a, a radical theorist in the 1990s called Hakim Bey, Bey is spelled B-E-Y, and um, uh, I raised a discussion that Hakim uh, was uh, was putting forward at the time about um, control of, the, the old word is propaganda, um, the new word for it is social media. <laughs> and, um, and, and this is, this is Hakim's discussion was, was prescient, uh, because, but using different terminology, the terminology of the 90s, he was saying that like the future is in the control of our minds. That's where power will be. So those are the two points I have to clear up before we do this little love poem. Shining threads. Imagine a bubble pack envelope arrives in the mail addressed to you. Inside you find a small green, evergreen bough, fir or cedar, delicate cones, gentle needles, and a brightly colored condom packaged, tightly furled in see-through paper, see-through wrapper, and something you wouldn't have bought because it's like red and silly or green or banana flavored or shimmy down blue. And here it is, the anonymous gift, no return address but you have your suspicions. Tenses have become confusing. You don't have time for that. Everyone's talking about icons, but they don't know the meaning of the word. It's nobody's business, and every kind of business shakes its tail on the circuit these days. Everything except invisible mending, dark embroidery, 
metallic thread on velvet, loop of silver on green. The dancers are in the barley corn. You inch past the dream of wetted sickles by insisting on herbal remedies. One should never say acids, say greener energy. A velvet curtain of tides, lunar, solar, dipole, the broken O, the holy abalone, church of the blessed vulva, locked in a span of red, it's in the blood, embroidered with protein thread, conjugating you, the verb. Somewhere Hackenbay quotes um, Bishop Holler as saying, consciousness, rather than raw materials, and physical resources constitutes wealth today. Therefore, the mastery of consciousness, in other words, control of information. I don't even want to think about this. Like Hakim, I won't believe in the triumphal bitstream, in the future information wars, if power really comes to that. It is to be scorned as lies. And if it comes to your stubborn, blessed body, both the parts with hair and the places that gleam, then imagine the guidance of our hands, the not struggle of our senses. When it comes to your stubborn, blessed body, imagine me saying, did you get my message? Eric Folsom, just give him another hand. <laughs> up next, Brent Raycroft, bring him up. pages, so I thought I'll just break it in half and redo the first half for suspense sake. It's it's a list poem, so I think it sort of it breaks e fairly easily. I also want to say that it's about anxiety, and um, even though I try to sort of see the lighter side, I do know from uh, experience, but more importantly the experience of friends and relatives, that just how mysterious and serious anxiety can be. Manchineal. That we'd be robbed and murdered was not it. The politics are quiet and the standard of living is the highest in the Caribbean, including the big excluding the big tax havens. Aggie fruit ripens over country lanes and almost everyone has work. That we'd be attacked by tropical beasts was not it. There are no wild cats of any size, no wolves or bears or other such predators, no vampire bats, scorpions, venomous cobras, or giant constrictors. That the doors to the veranda would be wide open all night long with nothing but transparent netting between our naked backs and the darkness was not it. That the plane would crash was not it. I enjoy the roar of acceleration, the roughness of the runway, the smoothness of the sky, the pushing of my torso back into my seat. It's a chance to close my eyes. 
that I would fail to listen well enough to the instructions for the exit door and pull the lever by my shin too early or too late and let the air out or the fire in was closer. It hinged on my performance, but not it. That my felt-tip pen would not be stiff enough in the airport rush to push the combination reset button so we'd leave the zipper lock undone and our brand new suitcase would burst open and scatter tuna tins and biscuit boxes, underwear and tubes of lube and toothpaste everywhere for all to see. Embarrassing, but still not it. That I was no one. I was 14A. That my character now was that of all the others, someone expecting luxury. Like that guy I never met, but can't forget, from the customs queue, when we shuffled toward each other again and again in the cordoned parallels, with his wine-red t-shirt that said, rich, smooth, travels well, sobering, but not it. Brent Raycroft, give me another hand. One thing I failed to do that I always do at the start is to thank Matthew and Logan and the Elm for this place. And let's clap loud enough so they can hear us. And also a hand for Katie again uh, for all of you guys. Up next, let's bring up Jill Black. from my mother. Actually, I, I always, every day, I get many texts from my mother. Um, I love her. She's in London. I'm in Kingston. She likes to keep in touch, and she likes to use her phone. Um, it took her a while to warm up to it, but now she's just she's, she's gone right ahead, and she's mastered it, really. Um, and she likes to send texts in large paragraphs. I'm more of a, you know, sentence at a time kind of texter but she'll go with maybe, I don't know, like three to four sentences at a time, and she'll send several paragraphs as well. So here's just a little sample of a grouping of texts that I think sort of rounded out into um, a really nice um, poem, really. I want to do a dramatic reading of a couple. The first one was sent on May 25th. She sent me a link to a Nancy Pelosi video. The link says cnn.com slash 2019 slash 0525 politics Facebook Pelosi video fact checking index HTML. She says, here's the follow up. Watch video. I just freaking hate Facebook. New text. I'll, I'll, do, I'll number it. Like, 
Her logical argument still does not speak to the basic ethics that must guide all human beings as to how to behave towards all human beings. The choice argument is a cop-out. Facebook sucks for many reasons. Yet, here's one more. Okay, just note, this was on a new day, just note Trump fabricated a video when Clinton was running to make her look like she was intoxicated also. The prez of the US, unbelievable. The first video I sent you was Anchorwoman, who had her own video purposely made, so she sounded drunk too, to prove how it's done. The Facebook one is about why the F they didn't take the damn video down to begin with. Trump also had a fake video done to a few months back that was bad. He was depicting a news reporter who he hates and White House banned because guy is good at his job and is a protagonist to Trump, depicting that the guy went hands-on to a female Trump aide who was trying to have him removed. But that fake video had like 50 witnesses in the room and general public saying that was bullshit and they called Trump out on it. Next day, new text. It's a rainforest in the backyard. So loud with cause, tweets, chirps of every kind, hundreds of birds of all species, and tons of babies of different kinds getting fed by parents or told to wait quietly by parents. So sweet and loud, it scared the cats as they sit by door screen. All this after the tornado-like thunderstorm we had yesterday. New text. And as happens this time of year, all the trips on my windowsill starting at like 5 in the a.m. if not earlier, cause the baby sparrows wait on the ledge. Parents have them practice flying from ledge to umbrella tree in the front garden. And they, do, and they don't yet fly straight or strong. Just like learning to drive a car. Anyways, they are loud and there are poops all over the ledge. Thank you. Jake Wax, give her another hand. Up next, Nadia Pacey. Let's bring her up. Coiled in repose, she says. Question comes to mind. Bum in chair, easy as a spoken blink. I sit in retrograde. Back I move a step as vomit after drink. Red come after pink, light as soft as infant skin. Atop the stairs I think of you, answer in an end. Is the store closed? Is it raining outside? Do I really need a napkin? Cardboard sleeve to paper cup. And if I had known of sleeves before they came to print, would I be a rich man drinking straight Rittenhouse rye, leaning on a golden flatbed pickup truck to complement my scarlet tie? How long will it take to consider the truth of all the stuff, much stuff as there is, much business to pursue, and for every lively warm hello, times a million bid adieu? I love you so much. When you're gone, I miss you. I did when I went outside for a smoke while you were still here. Equidistant from the point. On treadmills about face to promised land. And if tired, here we are brought back to before antiquity. All things illusory in the worm's life. Needn't the heart beat out of breast from sick mistrust like Spanish flu. 
if the consciousness' greatest success is a life that sees both its means and ends in love. If love was all there was and you'd never understand it, it, it was hidden everywhere and it was everywhere you looked. If the only choice you ever had was acquiescence, and every time you chose to love, no matter what you did or said, you knew you would lose your closest friend in some time or place or bed, then would you choose the worm's life? At bottom of an ocean trench, ignorant in a stationary tube, next to a hydrothermal vent. But if the human heart, but the human heart, makes a noise so sweet, so savory and salted, no other taste can muster courage from the tongue. That courage is immortal now that I have tasted you. Even if that one thing I do best is sleep toward another dream, closer to a low vibration than to a human being, if I wake to empty space where once you laid your weight, no matter, ad infinitum, a priori, you, first light, last place. I dreamt I was your singing bird that flew atop and off your shoulder. When I feel I am tinnitus in your ear, need reminder of the truth, pinch me. I am more substance than the pain of a constant ring. The day you ask to marry me, I'll wear my wedding band. When I give me to you, I'll take it off a moment and put it on again. If the morning is beautiful, sunny and warm, the evening won't always be the same and vice versa. If I eat in the morning full and satisfied, I won't always do the same in the evening and vice versa. If one day I can word what I feel so you will hear me and you take what I say so that you understand my silence and recognize my walk from a mile down the road, then the same will occur to me for you. Kneel at the bedside, I swaddle myself in blankets, expecting a change in weather and having faith that one day I will happen to be dressed right for the occasion. He puts my face in his hands and tells me, you will have a good life. And I believe you. I have a good life, I say. I am devoted. And um, I have a little book, and it's five dollars. Nadia Pacey, let's give her another hand. I've uh, facilitated a, a writing workshop at the library as part of Juvenus uh, exactly a month ago, I think, and uh, I wrote this there during that workshop. And it was done at the library, and it's called Downtown Library, go figure. At the edge of this newly remodeled library, even the landscaping outside around it, different, modernized, synchronized. The old tree on the corner taken down, new trees planted. Luxuriously rich burgundy wood chips scattered, contained beside on the soil where a garbage can, an old bench used to set. 
more and new benches now, and a bench there, here, a holding point, a sticking point, the touchstone now for me today. Several years ago, a good friend and I chatted here on the old bench beside that old tree. Summer then, he was complaining of the heat, sitting there in the shade, resting, escaping his walk and a blazing sun. He at least several years younger than I, leaner and fitter, had never smoked that I knew. In the prime of his life, I thought. That day now, six years ago, so I didn't understand, in fact, disbelieved when I discovered a few weeks later that he had died. And here I am now, looking at a beautiful resting area he had never, would never see. Somehow there seems an unfairness in this. Time has a way of moving on, of forgetting us. But time also has a way of bringing things back. Thanks. And you just heard in order readings by Alyssa Cooper, Eric Folsom, Brent Raycroft, uh, Jill Glatt, uh, Nadia Pacey, and myself. And it looks like we slipped over into the second hour. I will introduce you to that hour but in a couple of minutes. But first, I should really do this. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. Enjoy camping, cottaging, hiking, or being outdoors after a long winter? We are not alone. Every summer, Ontarians far and wide escape the daily grind and head to the great outdoors. But holidays have the ability to turn deadly due to Lyme disease, a potentially fatal disease caused by the bite of a black-legged tick, known as a deer tick. Causing similar symptoms to the flu, such as fever, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint pain. However, if you see a red, bullseye-type rash, chances are you don't have the flu. Take a few precautions to make sure Lyme disease doesn't ruin your vacation this year. Avoid shrubs and tall grassy areas where black-legged ticks are known to live. Bug repellent containing DEET is an effective way to prevent ticks from biting you. Cover up. When you're in areas that are known to have ticks, cover all exposed areas of your body. Wear white so you're able to see if a black tick is on you. Infected ticks are primarily found along the north shores of Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, and the St. Lawrence River. Be prepared this summer, and don't get ticked off. Monday. When traffic's a nightmare. When the workplace is hectic. 
when your boss calls you in for a meeting. When nature is on your side. There's only one thing you can do. But no need to wake up the neighbors. Tune in every Monday night from 11 p.m. to midnight for Shed Progressions, where we play an hour of cool jazz to help you relax after a long day. Again, that's Shed Progressions every Monday night at 11 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM. We're not afraid to get a little funky. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we're streaming live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And... uh, since we're now into the second hour of the show, it is already, looks like, five minutes after five o'clock. And uh, so I want to welcome you a little bit late into the second hour. Uh, one thing I will mention uh, that I normally mention at the end of each hour is that uh, both hours of each show, uh, each Finding a Voice, uh, every, uh, each week... Uh, will uh, be uploaded to my blog space for it at uh, Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. And uh, coming up in the second hour, we're going to continue a lot of the same voices you're going to hear again, a few different ones. Uh, Again, as I mentioned at the top of the first hour, the first four were uh, were in a group that aired earlier, uh, trying to think, uh, about three weeks ago, I believe. Uh, So you get to hear them, and then you'll hear many of the same voices you heard in the first hour again, uh, doing a second poem or uh, completing uh, what they had started in the first. I should do this, though. The usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show uh, may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited, to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So let's go ahead and move into the second hour and uh, back into the first reading of the second half of uh, the event that evening from, again, the June 4th and the Journey Continues open mic uh, reading in that monthly series and, again, held at the Elm Cafe. You're going to hear this hour... Uh, Gemma Dorle- uh, Dorleers, I believe is right, Leanne Torres, Kinman, Michelle McTogg, Devin G.A., Gwen Whitford, Meg Freer, Corey Mayhew, Bob McKenzie, Dale Tracy, Ben Charland, Lyle Merriam, Tia Lunn, Michael Castiles, Ken Chin, Allison Chisholm, Alyssa Cooper, Eric Folsom, Brent Raycroft, and again, myself. So up first, let's bring up, double checking here. Yeah, up first, uh, you're going to hear Gemma Dorliers, Leanne Taras, Kinman, and Mich- Michelle McTogg. Let's go ahead and do that. 
Okay, round two, Gemma D. You got another poem? tonight and don't tell her this but this poem's about drinking <laughs> so hold me steady with one arm as I throw my other to the sky and yell a little too loudly about how I miss the stars let your breath tickle my earlobe as you press your cold nose against my rosy cheek and tell me to lower my voice I'm outside I tell you I can speak as loudly as I want for speaking softly will be saved for later in the night when we have both sobered up a little bit and when you're safe in your bed. But for now, it is time for exclaiming how lovely your skin looks in the orange glow of the streetlights, grabbing your hands and skipping down the roads that are, too that are too busy during the daytime. Because with whiskey burning through my veins, I don't have time for inside voices, serious tones, and talk of the future. I only have patience for leaning on strangers and giggling about irrelevant things. For I'm as free as the cloud of breath that escapes from my lungs on this cold February night, and everything else can wait for morning light. Gemma D, let's give another hand. And Tara, she got another poem? Yeah. Let's bring her up. Breaking my bliss, I am broken, brittle, opaque, a cracked egg, not a new bird hatched. I am a burning spire, ashes fall on the crying angels. This is my religion now, taking solace in my sorrow. The air is evocative in its whisperings of you. A thousand shades of blue shimmer in the night sky, like shadows of a thousand birds taking sudden flight. Cool water washes over me, soothing my parched, vulnerable skin. I am broken, brittle, madly crooked, so ragged in my salvation, like a pilgrim lost. Careful, you will waken the witch. Don't poke the bear, for it is sleeping. Let sleeping dogs lie, for they are dreaming. The sound of the trees beckon. They are dancing in the twilight, swaying back and forth like graceful butterflies. Seedlings scatter like confetti. I am falling like a stone. Leanne Taurus, let's give her another hand. Up next, Kin Man, let's bring him up. Later, been did a couple things on that media that Paul Jill taught sucks on Facebook. Um, it's strange to know how the feel of a poem can change when you shift from they to we, and then finally you're brave enough to say I. Um, this is basically about. I'm uh, foolish guy, really, myself. Uh, looking at things that are Caesar, 
In this particular case, we asked her to put a little request. Where are you from? And what sex are you? So, in my mind, in my style, went back to Tolstoy, books read, and another baby never in full. And eventually, walked back with Chansu, fishing rod on my shoulder, thinking, and these could probably be my thoughts. How I move within my comfort to lines of dialogue, so I leave in a way my elements tempered with doubts of how to hold in place my soul. Ask to peruse and accept terms with conditions. As if in complying, I can be counted on to fill in a gap in a rank and file. Tolstoy, in a whistling of bullets, flying on a horse, felt that joy of chasing friends, a nation's cause. There with death, and who would be no more soon. But somehow, in surviving, he wanted no more of that. Daring with the pure and broken, drinking past light, in peasant smock, he worked to free his souls. War and peace, Anna Karenina, he would leave behind. So can I, when asked to charge Blinken like his horse in war. Thank you. Come in, let's give him another hand. Up next, Michelle McTodd, let's bring her up. Sunlight beams falling and rising within the luscious banquets of streaming green and flowing vibrant pictures, reflecting our breath and roots, tangled wires deep within. Gazing at the random dwelling of our lives, crooked and tangled, a thoughtless law. Rotting abundance is still within the wilderness. Grieving leaves fall and cover lost ground. At the end of our time, a blue slate of consciousness when life will yield and we will make love. We are still then, and within the deep, we succumb to our own grace that reflects the colors of seasons falling within the earth and rising to the judgments. And finally, with understanding passion of our lives, tangled like the wild, we grow into a graceful picture that tends to the children inside of us and our new life will be once more. Was Michelle McTagg, let's give her another hand. I can't see that far back. Is uh, Devin still here? You got another poem? Okay, Devin G.A., let's bring him up. The nature of a skeleton, but a shell of what is to come. Some kind of weight that provokes the fate that lies before us. The dust will engulf us with the wind of our own creation, followed by a cremation of an undying heart. Our feet will burn on the gravel, melting the flesh to bone. 
Alone in my feeling, I am not the only one. The gun may take us quickly away, but we will keep our hearts and souls. We will survive this somehow, but only few. As the world will engulf us, we do not change. We only get dumber. We fail our cause, while others stand in applause. Devin G.A., give him another hand. And you just heard, in this order, readings by Gemma Durales and Leanne Taras, Kinman, Michelle McTogg, and Devin G.A. Coming up next, uh, and this was at the June 4th, is that right? No, June 6th. Uh, reading in the And the Journey Continues Open Mic Monthly Reading Series held at the Yom Cafe. And up next in it that evening, uh, you're going to hear now, were Gwen Whitford, Meg Freer, and Corey Mayhew. Next, Gwen Whitford, bring her up. Upon a star. Virgo, my constellation, twinkles prominently in the sky above a tropical island where the concept of bright with little artificial light is elementary at night. Later, the full moon greets me, enigmatic with her Mona Lisa smile, at least for a while, until she inclines her head and stealthily slides into the other side of beyond. In the pre-dawn darkness, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter align, rising spheres in the east, chasing away lurking shadows that linger at break of day. Perhaps tonight will be the opportune time to examine the nearest galaxy from this faraway land where life can be less complicated, except when Mother Nature shows her hand. Despite recurrent earthly strife, it seems that the night sky provides the possibility of wishing upon a star, hoping that dreams come true, no matter where we are. Win Whitford, let's give another hand. Meg Freer, let's bring her up. poem will show up on the uh, public library's poetry blackboard site uh, that Jason Haru is curating now as the poet laureate. It's called Airport with No Drinking Fountains. I wrote it originally in observance of, observance of World Toilet Day. This was for Poets for Change last year. This World Toilet Day promotes awareness that much of the world does not have access to safe water. Airport with no drinking fountains. The flower garden around the corner grows ever larger, requires ever more water, and the owner worries its vastness maps her level of stress. But Zippy the tulip tree thrives in the park without being watered. 
planted to commemorate the demolished neighborhood school, named by the final class of seven children, Zippy shows off its first flowers. Along roads and trails, wild parsnip grows rampant, fills abandoned lots with cool green that disguises the sickening burn. Dog howls of sirens increase day and night, and I try not to worry about whoever needs help at 3 a.m. How can I complain that the airport in Warsaw has no drinking fountains? Make free or let's give another hand. Up next, Corey Mayhew, Springer. It's a nice segue for me. This poem. This is about a river around Kingston. Think about it. The mouth of the river yawns with a rhythmic murmur up against the shoreline. You speak to me. As you pass the village, I watch you distance yourself further along the peninsula, melding into a landscape, colors, hues, greens, blues, and mauves, leaving me to fuss about your future. Your bank is littered with large chunks of concrete, old tractor tires, kitchen items, and pollutants. Years of dumping refuse disguised as landfill suffocate you with indifference and ignorance. Sometimes your tone is hushed Sometimes a harsh tirade at my complicity in your unrelenting destruction. I hear your plea, but that is not enough. You are our life. We take you for granted. We use the word ecology. But that is not enough. We scour the shoreline once a year in a cleanup. But that is not enough. Our constant vigilance and action, our personal awareness and demonstration is an absolute. All of us need to tell you but that is not enough. You can only do so much. We can do more. Indeed. It's Corey Mayhew. Let's give another hand. And you just heard readings by Gwen Whitford, Meg Freer, and Corey Mayhew. Again, the, these were at the June 6th reading in the And the Journey Continues open mic monthly reading series. Again, held at the Elm Cafe. 
Uh, coming up next from it, you're going to hear Bob McKenzie, Dale Tracy, and Ben Charland. And up next, Bob McKenzie. Let's bring him up. This is called Sympathetic Resonance. The walls between us, in truth, are no thicker than sorcery. Ephemeral screens revealing all that never has been, all that ever shall be, all the demons set free. In the corner, an old piano waits to be played. The dancers are tableaus, dancing still in this dark, uncertain place and time. In this ballroom, it is 1923, phasing through mists to 2021, redolent of ancient jazz. In the silence, an old piano waits to be played. Dark, ancient fears reborn, dance ephemeral as jazz, frozen in and outside time. Shadow dancers in the dark, terrors at a ball in 2021, dreams of dancers in 1923. Hid in shadow, a man in a tux patiently waits. Slow motion and soft focus and old songs echo in the air. Tableau dancers come to life. Dance to drive the fear away. Dance, oh dance, brave souls. Yet still shadows dance too. The shadow man at the piano, a haunting tune. Thank you, thank you. Bob McKenzie, let's give another hand. Got another poem, Dale? Dale Tracy, let's bring her up. This one's called The First. I entered empty through the cockle shell foot first protruding, the snail of my cockled heart. The first of my heart is this pump. I am the glisten trail that circulates. The water never starts new, it's our net, the one we're in since we were a gleam in space's eye, in the black hole at the center of the shell's world. Dale Tracy, let's give her another hand. Ben, you got another poem? Yeah. Ben Charman, let's bring him up. So this one's called Old Spice. Dad has always worn Old Spice. He told me about wearing cologne, why it got you girls. They were drawn to the smell, that smell made them think and feel things they could not control, a kind of magic. But the wielder needs confidence and a sense of humor and a well-toned body, otherwise it's just a scent, he told me. Old Spice does me every time. I lose control of thoughts and feelings. It reminds me everything he said, everything I retorted back. Every emasculation, fight, razor-edge conversation about grabbing life, shaking it out hard, 
Every waitress in every restaurant who I've witnessed fall over themselves for him. Flirt at the table, under the table, through the table, crawling on top of the table, syrup on her elbows, pancakes pancaked under her knees, their peripheral, peripheral register of me, the square-headed, four-eyed, bland derivative. For a while, people thought we were brothers. Not even that far apart, I felt stronger, more assertive, more attractive, despite the battlefield of acne on the bridge of the French nose that Dad handed down to me. And yet, he was still the front-line champ, I the funny sidekick, good-looking, but in a non-threatening, dry, 17th century sort of way. I need heaps of syrup and butter to make my pancakes moist. Old Spice elbows against a workbench, a sawing table, a big red toolbox in a Bridgeland garage in Calgary. A steady drive with steadier hands on the wheel through December blizzards off Lake Superior. Ice cream in Martaloup, strolling through a park. Girls on benches, I'm glad I have chocolate. And he has bubble gum. Maybe that will help. Sat in the rig under the purple chlorine night in the industrial zone of Winnipeg after we met my sister, who was a secret until I was 10. Dad bought her a new pair of shoes that afternoon on Portage in Maine. Wiping the rear view side mirrors of his rig with his ever-present roll of blue paper towel failing to ever do it right. Old Spice come for a visit. A piece of pepperoni pizza from the fridge. He eats it with the spread of butter knifed onto each bite. Hockey games inside of hockey equipment on a white brick wall. Goalie mask. Violence without a face. Old Spice forearms. Old Spice tattoos. Barbed wire. Angel. Quebec. Canada. Wolf. Old Spice, the turtle and the butterfly, chasing each other together forever. Old Spice in the back of his truck on the Texas morning highway. Old Spice eating Vietnamese noodles in forest lawn. Old Spice watching a movie, trying not to fidget. He hates it when I fidget. Maybe girls don't like it because I fidget. Old Spice in the cinema, whispering, giggling in my ear in the middle of a hundred thousand galactic movies. Old Spice in the shower at the house before it was cut. Both of us naked, but him more naked. More comfortable naked, more powerful naked, more frightening naked. Old Spice kicked by girlfriends under the syrup table across the continent. His bright-eyed laugh right after that forgives him everything. Old Spice making me laugh. His jaw clenched forward and wide eyes. I cry with laughter. Old Spice sensitive, pleading for attention, peeking under bluster. Eager to eat the world, prove his way best, certain his way best. His way must be best. Old Spice wearing me down. Smell always there, never deniable, wearing me down. Old Spice wearing me down until finally I'm him. And the waitresses, they like me too. And I can walk into a bar on White Avenue and be cute without being horny and walk out and fight and fuck and carve out a life and have nothing to lose. Old Spice has everything to lose. But he knows how to act like he doesn't. Old Spice wins. Thank you. Lynn Charlins, give him another hand. And you just heard readings by Bob McKenzie, Dale Tracy, and Ben Charland at the June 6th reading in the And the Journey Continues 
monthly open mic reading series. And up next from it that evening, here are Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Michael Castiles, and Ken Chin. Up next, Lyle Miriam, let's bring him out. This is called The Level of the Bar. I lost my job about a year ago. The bailiff came and took my car. An eviction notice came today and I'm leaning on the level of the bar. I've had no cable for about four months. I've held the PUC off so far. They're threatening to pull the plug, but I'm leaning on the level of the bar. Revenue Canada wants my blood. They'd like to put it in a jar. There's nothing else that they can take, so I'm leaning on the level of the bar. The server's about to cut me off. I'm not exactly a shining star. It's been a while since I paid my tab while leaning on the level of the bar. Thank you. Lyle Miriam, let's give another hand. Tialan, let's bring them up. nothing you don't know. You didn't, but if you had seen me there, would you have held out your hand? You never called me dear, did you? All I remember is the way you looked then and what I thought of you when you might have been what I thought you were. Do you remember what you thought I was? I still want to know, so maybe someday you could tell me what I was then. I'm glad we don't talk about where we are now. I know so little of what I am now. There is so little of me now. As for what is left to say, let me say, the split in my palm is healed now. My hand doesn't look like you anymore. You never did saw through your love line like you told me you would someday. I'll never say you broke a promise, though. You gave it, but you didn't make it. And of all the things you gave me, that's the only thing I haven't kept. Not that it's important to say. But if you ever asked, I could tell you, you still know me better than anyone. Tia Lan, let's give them another hand. Up next, Michael, Michael Castiles, bring him up. just another chapter for my cowboy novel. It's called Dust Town. When he got shot, he was holding a rifle and standing on the roof of the old saloon, pointing the thing right at me. With a scream, he hurled himself off the edge of the wooden building and landed on his back on the sidewalk below. A hush crept through the noontime street. A cloud of dust rolled right through it. Thank you. Michael Castiles, another hand. Got another one, Ken? Yeah. Ken Chen, bring him up. 
It is said that um, consumption of cannabis increases your creativity. Nah. Quite the opposite for me. My brain shuts off, I turn into something primeval, and words just kind of dribble out of my head. This one's called Bad Girls. I like bad girls. Girls that make me do things that I don't want to. Girls that get me into trouble and make me love every moment of it with no regrets or regards to consequences. I want to have a relationship like the one Quebec has with Canada. You know, that sexy French girlfriend that makes all kinds of demands on you, that drives you crazy. But you'll do anything, give anything, to keep her from leaving. Science does not believe that humans give off pheromones. But I swear I've met some women that would prove science wrong. Just by being near them, just a look, a smile, a touch of the hand, and you are hooked. Like a junkie long for heroin, all your free will has disappeared. They are not necessarily drop-dead gorgeous, nor do they need to wear provocative clothing. They can turn you on by wearing only a potato sack. Call them girls, call them women, call them whatever you want. I call them dangerous. I'm glad there aren't many of them around. Nevertheless, bad girls are a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, Shins, give another hand. And you just heard readings by... Lyle Miriam, Tia Lunn, Michael Castiles, and Ken Chin at the June 6th reading in the end. The Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Again, always held now at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, and there'll be the final readings from it, uh, are going to be from Allison Chisholm, Alyssa Cooper, Eric Folsom, Brent Raycroft, and me. Here we go. Allison. Allison Chisholm, bring her up. This poem is called Siege. I'm not a weapons expert, and yet every evening I study the art of war. Once, I translated, I translated the entire text from Chinese to English to Chinese again. Every morning, I closely regard the military and diplomatic engagements between squirrels in my neighborhood. The brown tails appear to be a mammal with a genuine authority over military matters. In the afternoons, I flip through rifle catalogs. They enhance my lust for life, yet lower my blood pressure. When my daughter, the general, interrupts my studies, she always salutes me before retreating to the kitchen. Thank you. Allison Chisholm's give another hand. Next, Alyssa Cooper, let's bring her up. Uh, so 
so I'm working on a collection right now that kind of deals with themes of uh, genetic memory and inherited trauma, et cetera, et cetera, um, which has involved kind of revisiting a lot of things that I generally try not to think about. Uh, so this poem is channeling my 19-year-old self, so I'm going to swear at you a lot and very unnecessarily, so I just wanted to give you a little warning. This is called The Cool Dad. Back when computers had rooms, I'd sit on the floor beside his chair and tell him, play this one next. Now, this one. Music so loud that the neighbors could hear it through the walls. The man who moved in next door gave us dirty looks from his riding mower, feigned coughing at the cloud of smoke that followed us, told people he was moving because we didn't make him feel welcome. But maybe we would have, Dad said, if he wasn't such a fucking square, and my red eyes laughed, dry mouth made jokes about soft guts, receding hairlines. I had the cool dad. And fuck what the neighbors thought of him. Fuck their judgment. Fuck the property value and their California lawn cut. Fuck their driveways painted black. Fuck their landscaping and their tasteful signs. Please, keep off the grass. Fuck the way they looked at us. I've got the cool dad, the fast car, loud music dad. I've got the downtown dad, the silver chain dad, the 3 a.m. witching hour dad. I've got the heavy metal mosh pit dad, the bong bigger than your arm dad, BB gun in the basement dad. I've got the laughing dad, the joyous dad, the zeal for life can't be matched dad. And fuck anyone who tried to tell me different. Melissa Cooper, give another hand. Eric, Eric Folsom, let's bring him up. Thank you guys. Um, okay, this poem is so new that it, it isn't even written yet. Um, I. There's a woman I knew for almost 50 years um, who died last winter. Her name was Molly Dunsmuir. And so I've been working on, um, it would seem, it would looks, looks like I'm working on at least two poems because the working title of this is Molly 2. Freshman English at McGill in 1969, you, a Shakespearean scholar with a room full of teenagers, taught me the canon beginning with Sir Philip Sidney's Astrophil and Stella, a cycle of 108 sonnets that asks or inquires, hath the world aught so fair as Stella is? I struggled with the diction, but you with insight in your Irish ears from County Antrim made Sidney's music clear and shining. Elizabethan star worship, understandable in a rock star era that valued directness, authenticity. You allowed us to turn your poems instead of essays, which I often did, but cheated one time, giving you a poem I'd written a year earlier, a screed about a shooter at the University of Texas, which leaned heavily on Frank Zappa lyrics. You saw through me right away and said, don't ever do that. Write something new. Which now makes me cast my mind back to Astrophil and Stella in the last line of the first sonnet. Fool, my muse said to me, look in thy heart and write 
Eric Folsom, give him another hand. Up next, Brent Raycroft, let's bring him up. That no one would know who Betty was, of Betty's Hope, historic site, restored to its former, not glory, surely, or what she hoped for when she lived, more than a fortune made in sugar. And my dreams would open to the ghosts of men and women and their children kept in slavery in this place. And I would feel, not just imagine, long dead, unextinguished pain. But I slept deeply. That you, and later Titi, the boss at Titi's rental, would see the tiny dent I made in the bumper when I nudged a tree on our first evening, trying to turn the car around while you unpacked, though I had agreed that you should do the driving. It was a worry, but then you didn't, nor did he. That our tiny Kia, as it climbed a switchback with no guardrail and no shoulder, at the brink whose vista I did not dare contemplate, would meet a truck with feeble brakes, and it wouldn't matter who was driving or on what side, but we were fine. That in the shade above the empty beach we'd hike to, you would bite a tiny apple from the world's most poisonous tree and say that it was sweet. And I would take one too and taste that juice, for I'd go anywhere with you. This, at least, could not have been foreseen. We had never heard of Manchineal, the apple of death, whose unassuming fruit drives horses mad and whose sap on the Calusa warrior's arrowhead killed the conquistador Ponce de Leon half a thousand years ago. But in the end, it wasn't so bad. Three days of sore throats and a story to tell, a good scare. That even this survival would not mean I had been spared. That privilege and cowardice and chemical imbalances played a part is clear. That no one will be spared. But logic doesn't matter here. That it was nothing and would fade. That it will reappear. Thanks. Brent Raycroft, give him another hand. Well, before I read a last, a very short poem, actually, I want to thank you all for coming out tonight. We've heard some incredible poetry. Uh, give yourselves and everyone else a hand. One more time for Katie. And this is called Elephant. The voices near the end. 
that memory, DNA, and intuition calling. An elephant instinctively knowing the beginning of its final walk approaching. I wonder, is there still yet, though, a hesitancy, a reluctance, as it takes its first, half takes its first step down that short, long, final road? Thanks. everybody this was a fun night and you just heard readings by allison chisholm Alyssa cooper eric Folsom, brent raycroft <clears throat> and myself at uh the june 6th the reading in the end the journey continues uh, monthly open mic reading series out at the yom cafe and again as i mentioned that concluded uh the uh reading event so let's do this and i'll be right back Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Sit, sit back, relax, listen to some hip-hop with the premium plus Friday. Non-stop rocking till it's time to go. The DJ professional rocking the show. The fantastic dollar bill every Friday night at 9 p.m. Sit back, relax, listen to some hip hop on the premium plus show. Friday night, whatever the ground hip hop. Just remember the party time starts at nine and doesn't end until ten. The staff at Martha's Table provides a caring place where people in need can have nutritious meal for only one dollar. Now you can get involved in this great cause. Martha's Table is looking for volunteers to help in the kitchen, at the drop-in center, picking up food, or even being a friendly face at fundraising events. Volunteer orientation is every Thursday at 4.30 in the drop-in center, and volunteers must be 14 years of age or older. You can donate using a credit card through marthastable.ca, or you can send your donation by mail, cash, check, or bank draft. Martha's Table, 629 Princess Street, whether it's volunteering, donating, or anything else that you can offer Martha's Table, visit their website, marthastable.ca. If you like electro, retro, ghetto, house, and techno, tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night from 11 to midnight. Get your radio dial to CFRC 101.9 FM and turn up the stereo. Turn up the stereo, up some more. All you should have on on Friday nights is The Hustle, only on CFRC 101.9 FM. Up some more, up some more, up some more. The Repair Cafe Kingston is a free community-driven way to get things fixed. Held on the second Sunday of each month from 2 to 4.30 p.m., the Repair Cafe can be found at the Kingston Unitarian Fellowship Building at 206 Concession Street. Knowledgeable folks are there to help you make repairs on nearly everything, from clothes, furniture, appliances, bicycles, and more. Bring your broken items and repair them with these folks. And there's also a child play area and free coffee and treats as well. 
The Repair Cafe supports the City of Kingston's efforts to be the most sustainable city in Canada. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Repair. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And just a reminder uh, that both hours of today's show uh, will be uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after I get home. And that uh, blog address is finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Uh, once shows are on there, they remain there for four years. So you've got plenty of time to catch it again if you missed a part or want to hear a part again. And I do have just, uh, I have fewer minutes than I thought I would for announcements. So uh, I. Before I do that, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Hope you have a great weekend. I want to remind you that right at the top of the hour, uh, I hope you stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music. It's Rob Carnell uh, with a show called Saltwater Music. And uh, got time for just a couple of things here. There's a call for submissions coming up. There's still a couple of weeks left on it. Uh, for Free Lit Magazine. They are a bi-monthly online journal uh, looking for submissions of poetry, short stories, essays, and other prose, photography, and visual art. Each issue is thematic, and the theme for the July issue is humanity. So they do take uh, appreciate a loose interpretation of theme, however. So I'll tell you what, here's their website, and you can check it out there, www.freelitmagazine.com. You do have uh, an event uh, coming up, and I'm checking time here. Yeah, I think I'm st- I can do this. Event coming up uh, this coming uh, week, actually. It's uh, coming up Thursday. I'm just going to tell you, uh, check out the Kingston Writers Fest uh website uh, www.kingstonwritersfest there's an off-season event it's summer sips and scribes it's a pec wine tour lots of information about that go to the website and check it out there it begins uh thursday it's going to happen thursday uh, july 11th runs from 9 30 a.m to 7 30 p.m i know people that did that last year the second year for it they loved it and uh then there's also a book signing, if you can't make it. Uh, Dana Manning uh, will sign copies of her new book called Many Moons. She's a musician as well. Uh, she may play a bit of music even. This is going to happen at Novel Idea again Thursday, June 11th from uh, noon to 2 p.m. And... Uh, Oh, and she's performing a barbecue concert at Panchancho's later that day, possibly that evening. And with that, I think I'm going to sneak out of here and let Rob Carnell in. Please do stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music with him. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts 
www.cfrc.ca.